I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And today we are discussing album number 24 on Rolling Stone's Top 500 list, which is Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. friend Carol Thomas Sissel with us, uh, Reverend CTC as she goes by in our community. Um, she's an incredible peer and friend, someone who uh, really I admire for so many reasons, but first and foremost because she lives out her faith each and every day. She's a, uh, a modern day prophet and she understands that uh, life is about a whole lot more um, than just acting righteously, but also about creating something better in your community, being that presence in the lives of, of the people that you're around. Um, Carol and I have lots of different things in common. Um, not only are we both ordained ministers, we're also uh, craft beer connoisseurs, um, music bands, people who want to work at different uh, social justice issues, and it's just an absolute privilege to have her as our guest on tonight's episode of the Sound Logic podcast. I don't know what I left out there, Carol. There's so much to you that I'm sure uh, I have forgotten. How do you introduce yourself to people these days if uh, if you meet someone? It's funny when you're um, not standing in, uh, behind a pulpit, you get a little <laughs> bit shy. Like I I'm trying to think about my context. It's not inside of a church. Uh, what do I do? I tell them... People say, so who are you? What do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a grandmother and I'm a minister. Uh, and I think part of my call for ministries about not just talking the talk, but actually helping people walk their walk in a really yeah. just fundamental, we got to make the world a better place kind of way. Um, but that was a really good introduction. I'm going to listen to that recording so I can use it next time. <laughs> Thank you. It was very nice. Thank you very much. I can much. go around town and introduce you to people. Just oh. uh, <laughs> be your showman up front. Hey, let's arrange a date and time. We will make the rounds. Yeah. I feel really good about being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I love, yeah, I love music. It's our pleasure. Yeah. It's just, it's such a big part of our lives. And it's real easy to sort of sit it aside and forget about it. Yeah. And, you know, listen to the same 10 or 15 songs all the time. So this was good for me. Thank you. I mean, there's power in the way we make music a time capsule. But mm -hmm. you're right. Then it becomes frozen in some time, in some sense. It becomes frozen in time and we don't go off and uh, go go back and check things out the way that we probably should. Um, mm -hmm. We knew we needed a guest for this album because Mike and I were both born after it came out. And uh, we, we as we were going through this SoundLogic podcast, the very first question we ask is, had you ever listened to this album before embarking on this project? The answer is no for both of us. And so <laughs> when we have those wow. kinds of moments, we often think to ourselves, oh man, we need to get someone here to join us. Um, I'd reached out just asking sort of broadly if you had any interest in uh, any of the albums on the Rolling Stone greatest albums of all time and this is one that you said hey i'd love to be your guest for that one so maybe a start uh do you have any early memories of um 
hearing this album for the first time or your thoughts mm. about this, this music as it was initially being released? So what's, what's kind of interesting is, so I'm 20 years older than both of you, and the album is 43 years old. Mm. So it was released in 73, I think. And we're at 2019. So it's like, it's been around a long time. Yeah. Um, when it was released, I was only 11. So I don't think I really know about when it first came out. It probably was on in my house. Yeah. My parents might have played it or my older brother. I have a brother six years older than me. So it's kind of like soundtrack music for part of my life. Oh, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. But by the time I got to high school is when I really was listening to it. So then when I was like a junior or a senior in high school, six, seven years after it came out is okay. when I actually started putting it on repeat and, you know, mm. playing some of the songs over and over. Yeah. We were uh, born the year that Michael Jackson's Thriller came out. And we were, we were remarking uh, back at that episode that it just felt like it was music that was always around, especially mm -hmm. in our early years. Like we have no memory of it coming out, but it sounds like this was sort of the, the way Intervisions is for you, um, an album mm -hmm. that's just sort of always been, or, or at least you don't really remember life without it so much. Uh, no. Well, you know, I'd go a little farther. I don't remember life without Stevie Wonder. Mm, so right. Stevie Wonder used to be, little Stevie Wonder and he had songs like uh, Everything is Alright and he had a song called Fingertips and he was like this small black man with big black glasses that would dance and sing and was phenomenal but he wasn't like making waves or doing social justice music or anything yeah. so Stevie Wonder's been around for a long time for me yeah was, so his um, earlier music didn't have I mean we'll get into this album later on this album is a fairly loaded album in terms of the subject matter that it tackles his earlier career mm -hmm. did not contain that same sort of like progressive call to justice no think about um, I don't do you know what American Bandstand was mm -hmm. are you sure come on I mean I know it was a TV show I don't really have okay. much context <laughs> for it beyond that that's all I was uh, going to say. Was, wasn't it a TV show? That's, yeah. I think, all I know about it. Yeah, so there was... Um, God, I'm so old. Um, <laughs> so Dick Clark had a show on, and that was American Bandstand. And then the black show that was kind of like it was Soul Train. Okay. Um, okay. But when Stevie Wonder first came out, he did the equivalent of American Bandstand with, like, dance songs. I mean, if you if you go back and you look at stuff like fingertips and other stuff where you see this guy just kind of standing in front of a microphone, not always by a piano, playing, and like there would be uh, white folks dancing in front of him. So he was really different in his younger years. But this this kind of music is what turned a corner for him and for black music. Um, and I think it changed the landscape for artists like it gave people permission to sing about what they felt about mm. what they felt mm. was important yeah man you guys are really young you were born <laughs> the same year that thriller came yeah, out sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's all right i'll get my geritol out i'll be fine <laughs> uh, well the other question that we ask ourselves when we begin uh this mm -hmm. process is um did we have any preconceived notions um Obviously, as as two people who weren't around when it came out, our 
our um our ideas are often based on stereotypes so what i thought it was would be kind of soulful piano driven 70s funk uh and it, as i was listening through this this week i remembered um stevie wonder would appear on sesame street from time to time boy stevie you know you really play good you, you like play it? so good. You think you could teach me something? Hmm? Please, I got, please. I got, I got something just for you, bro. Oh yeah, oh good, just good. for you. Just oh, go for ahead, you. go ahead. Goes like this. Oh boy, oh okay. You got that? You okay, got here, here, me do it now. I'm going to do it. Okay, here we go. Now we gotta try. It was almost right. Almost, put, not close, huh? Gotta put a little more feeling into it. Little more feeling. With the puppets, now, right? Talking about okay. playing the piano okay. as a person who couldn't see, and I, it made me realize. Like I think we were far enough from his, the pinnacle of his career that he'd almost become like bigger than pop culture. Like just this thing that blends into the landscape. Um, and I think who he is almost became a caricature, uh, you know, the blind man playing piano, um, so yeah. that we didn't really have to think all that critically about this artist or give him really the, the um, what I'm now learning, the, the appreciation that he truly does deserve. Uh, what, what about you, Mike, as you think about weeks ago before you'd listened to this for the first time, what were your expectations like? Right. Well, first of all, I really resonate with what you said about him almost being a character, although that sounds a little insensitive, but I think it's true. I knew who Stevie Wonder was long before I really knew any of his music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like the image of him and him being, well, he's he's the blind man who can who can amazingly play piano. And I remember, I think I knew that when I was a little yeah. kid. Maybe it's because of Sesame Street. So I've known who he was in a couple of the big hits. Um, I remember just before I pushed play on this for the first time, you know, maybe a couple months ago, my finger hovering over the button thinking, I don't know what this is going to be like. Because one thing I do know about Stevie Wonder is that his career is large and very diverse. So I was kind of like very excited. Here we go. I, I really didn't know what to expect because as I looked at some of the names of the tracks, I realized I only knew one of them. And that's an exciting feeling because, well, this is going to be brand new. So I didn't know. I didn't know if it was going to be like um, I just called to say I love you or, you know, some of the other things I'd heard. I had no idea. And I didn't really know at the time where it fell in his um, kind of album yeah. chronology. Mm-hmm. You know, was it closer to the little Stevie stuff? Was it closer to some of the 80s stuff? I didn't really know. So I came into it almost totally blind, no pun intended. Um, that's, maybe that's a bad one. You can cut that one out. You can cut, I want to take that out, yeah. You can cut that one out. I didn't really mean to, to say it like that, although I did come into it not knowing what would happen. Well, he's um, iconic. Yeah. So Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that might be a better word than um, a, a caricature is. Yes. You say Stevie Wonder and everybody has something in yeah. their mind's eye, whether mm-hmm. it's and it's kind of chronological. Right. So if you're older, it might be little Stevie Wonder that I talked about. If you came across him more later in the 70s into the 80s, it's the guy that had dreadlocks and yeah. beads in his hair or right. braids and beads. And he was more talking about almost like revolution and it was singing that song superstition and and that kind of stuff so 
So he's like in the ether is what it is. Um, I, I do feel like it's funny. I always knew who Stevie Wonder was. Like, I don't remember not having him somewhere in my musical soundtrack. Um, except for recently. So like the last 10 years, not a lot of Stevie Wonder. So this was a really good way to sort of go backwards. Uh, and, and rediscover something that was amazing. Yeah. How does this uh, album fit into your appreciation of his career, uh, Carol? Do you see it as sort of the, uh, is it a pinnacle album for you? Do you see it as like one of the ones that you want to return to? Or how's it, how's it blend into all that you know about him? Um, well, it really made me think about a timelessness for his music. So the things he was singing about on Inner Visions, uh, we're still struggling with them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're talking about race. And now we got the opioid epidemic when what he was talking about was more heroin in the inner city Mm -hmm. on one of his songs. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't even start on political corruptness, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like. We won't go into the whole Trump thing, but look at where we are now. And he, right. there's a song on this album that was about Nixon. Yep. So, yeah. So it's it's this weird sort of there's a timelessness to his music. All the stuff that bubbled up that was important enough for him to write these songs about. We're still struggling with mm-hmm. those same topics and those same um, same struggles, same hard stuff. And then like he throws a love song in, <laughs> and it's like. Okay, so I can sing about So Cool Justice, but hey, let me just give you guys a little heartbreak and a little bit of a love song. Uh, and I'll do a wedding, and they're playing Golden Lady. Yeah. So it really is timeless, you know? And that's people that's like y'all's age that are playing yeah. Golden Lady. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that he's, he really is iconic and timeless. Is is cool, yeah. I It reminded me a lot of... Um our initial run through of uh, Marvin Gaye's what's going on because of the sort of just broad spectrum of things that he tackles. And, uh, and like you said, just like it, you know, the, it, the issues could have been today. (laughs) We have not Mm -hmm. done very much work since this came out to like resolve a lot of stuff that he was uh, singing about in 1973. Well, and we thought we had, right. Yeah. So there's this, this impression that, we've really made great strides and, and I'm not saying nothing has changed, but there's just so much that hasn't that mm-hmm. we're just still like fighting the fight on and trying to make it through the day. A lot of people mm-hmm. uh, with the same issues and problems. Yeah. What about personal memories? Uh, what does this bring up for you, Carol, as you think about um, those earlier memories? So I was, it's funny. I'm, I'm listening to this album and then all of a sudden it's over. So it's like only nine songs mm-hmm. and 46 minutes or something. <laughs> um, but it, it, there was a piece of it that was like memory length. I have this memory of myself like down in the basement playing this album. And there's a song on it that's uh, called All Is Fair. And it's like this classic kind of broken heart song. you know. And I just, I know, I know there was some guy when I was in high school <laughs> that I was just like, I can't believe it's over and it's not fair. And and he wrote this song uh, after he got divorced, you know? So it's like, yeah, well, all is fair, but people say they're going to stay in love and they're going to follow their vows and and then they don't. Um, 
so it brought back to me like this this 16 year old me probably in the basement feeling like oh man teenage angst i just can't yeah like somewhat teenage angst it's like there was a guy or a boyfriend there was a crush that went south like i'm sure there was and i had stevie in the background yeah so that came up for me um and there's the other one though that's um uh don't you worry about a thing that's like let's just dance and Somehow, he goes from that all is fair to just throws us right into don't worry about a thing. And there's some back to back, Latin right? groove in the past. Yeah, and those are back to back on, on the on the album. Yeah, like two things that are so far apart. But he's just like, okay, yeah, I'll just I'll just give you like a dance song. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned dancing around with uh, Don't You Worry About a Thing. Um, this again shows mm-hmm. maybe my ignorance and my age, but my uh, realization in going through this album is that my kids have been singing Don't You Worry About a Thing because it's a song on the soundtrack to one of their favorite movies, which is uh, an animated movie called Sing, which is about a, comp- a singing competition that a bunch of animals participate in. Uh, uh, kind yeah. of riding the American oh, Idol wave like, of <laughs> popularity. And uh, so one mm-hmm. of the final numbers is this uh, elephant singing, Don't You Worry About a Thing. And I actually remember going through them, through the soundtrack with them and saying like, okay, this song actually belongs to Taylor Swift or this is an Elton John track. And I didn't know who wrote Don't mm-hmm. You Worry About a Thing. And so we looked it up and discovered Stevie Wonder was the, the source of this. Mm-hmm. And, um so we've been dancing around the living room to that track for the last couple of years without even realizing uh, who was behind it. And I think that his version is actually much better than the one that is in the, the kids movie. But um, I would, I would <laughs> I'm glad so. to have discovered that. It's such a great movie, though. I mean, I remember it that. It's got like the pigs are dancing uh-huh. and there's this woman who becomes like empowered and puts on like black lame and does yeah. this fabulous thing. And then all her children like come up and jump on her. All the kids. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Like yeah. this woman can do all the things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a an amazing it's a cute little yeah. film, and uh, and I think mm-hmm. because of the range of music that they have included in it, it it's uh, it's a pretty good sort of like all ages fun time film mm-hmm. uh, because of all that they have pulled in. Uh, what about for you, Mike? Any yeah. um, any personal memories that came up as you listened to this album for the first time? Unfortunately, no. Uh, this again, a blank slate here. <laughs> um, there, there is, there is one, but I'll get to that later. Okay. But it's not really about this album. We'll save it. I think we are at the time where we need some details from you. Do you want to give us a few details about this album? Oh yeah, tell her. I would love to. <laughs> details, 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 details. I'm a stats guy. I'm a details guy. So uh-huh. this is my, this is my special segment. You know, Ben's a, a, an accomplished public speaker and he likes to talk uh, <laughs> in the first part. So, so that I, then I get my little spot where I could just <laughs> do some exposition here. Um, All right, okay. Go. So Intervisions was released August 3rd, 1973. So, yeah, you're right, about 46 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm counting correctly, this is Stevie Wonder's 16th album. Um, yeah. And he started in, like, 62 or 64. So in 
Man, a decade prolific. he's pumped out 16 albums <laughs> it's just and we've talked ben we've talked about this before in the 60s people were pumping out one and two albums a year um mm-hmm. and compared to today's standard where even if if people even do full albums because some of them don't anymore because you can just release singles now or just put songs out into the ether and, and it can still be successful you know you might get a studio album for every four or five years and that's acceptable and that's no problem if someone releases two albums in a in two years you know an album two years apart that's fast and back then they were doing like one or two every year so here we go stevie wonder just pumping out tons of music and i think that's part of some of the success of some of these artists there was just so much music all the time you couldn't escape it but Stevie Wonder, of course, was was you know exceptional, uh, and yeah, this is so. This is his sixteenth album. Um, he wrote all the music, so it's all mm-hmm. written by Stevie Wonder. Uh, it charted number four on the chart and number one on the R and B chart. So they kind of had two different charts going, and this mm-hmm. went number one. And in the UK, it went to number eight, so more successful in the US. Um, it was certified gold, so that's uh, Ben. Remind me, that's half a million. Uh, depends on the country. It was certified gold in the UK oh, and in Canada, and those numbers are much lower in than Canada. in the United States. Um, I forget what the numbers are for each of them. It, it is oh, not. I think you know what? It's not been certified in the United States. I think gold in Canada is fifty thousand, and in the U.S. it's five hundred thousand, something yeah. like that. It's really different. Oh. Yeah, yeah I don't know why. That's but a tenth of the population. We're, yeah. Because we're, yeah, right, we're smaller. So <laughs> there yeah. you go. Um, well, and you said he he wrote all yeah. the songs, all nine. Yeah, but yes. he also played all the instruments for like six of them, because this this album is heavily synthesizer based, mm-hmm. and that was when you could be like a one man band in the studio. Right. So I, yeah, I read that somewhere that for like five or six, he was also the complete musician wow. package for these songs. Well, that's a really interesting point, Carol. I'm just flipping through here, and you're right. Um, uh, Living for the City, Higher Ground, Jesus, Children of America. Uh, he he does everything. <laughs> and I was listening to, um, I was listening even to the opening track, and. You can't. It's all just the the Fender Rhodes and the other synthesizers. That's creating the bass sound, some of the percussive sounds, everything. It's yep. all happening with Stevie. It's sometimes on different instruments, but like it's a soundscape created by the synthesizer, which took me a little while to pick up onto. Mm-hmm. That at first you just assume that there's a bass, an electric bass there, and a little guitar, and then you listen more closely, and he's doing all of it on the synthesizer, which would have been, I think, revolutionary yeah. for the for the music at that time. I mean, it's worth if you've got a minute, uh, podcast listeners, uh, as you're going through this album, go to the Wikipedia page and take a look at the track listing, which shows uh, who played what, and his like he's credited as uh, vocalist, obviously. Uh, Fender Rhodes pa- piano, which um, Mike already pointed out, which is an uh, electric keyboard, essentially. Um, harmonica, drums, uh, mm-hmm. uh, piano, like a regular kind of piano, another kind of synthesizer, clapping, 
uh, <laughs> like uh, so many different things um, uh, all over the map in terms of uh, the sounds that he's adding to this album. But it definitely is an album that feels like it was constructed in the studio. It doesn't feel like uh-huh. you know, stripped down to its bare minimum. It feels like uh, it was orchestrated by someone. Uh, yeah. Making it, it was and, totally and, orchestrated by him. Like you can tell, it's he laid it down mm-hmm. in layers, right, or yes. tracks, yes. and then built them up on top of each other. But that's him playing like all those different things, and yeah. then doing all the vocals, like, harmonizing with himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and amazing. and really, you know, excellent production value. Like it's well produced. Um, and when I say that, what that means to me is that. Nothing sounds out of place. It's not like I'm saying there's too too much here, too many instruments, or there's too little, or that's in the wrong spot. Everything sounds like it is where it's supposed to be, and there's a lot of thought and craft into that. And I think you're right, Carol. He was the one behind it, uh-huh. um, not you know just a producer, or a bunch of other people. Um, yeah, just wonderful. Anyways, we're 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 diverting a little bit, but that's okay. We we're happy with that here. <laughs> that's what we, that's what we do. <laughs> um, we'd like to go through a little of the history, um, in Rolling Stone when, you know, when they publish this list, they usually do a little blurb with it and, and they write this, it's high flying musical experimentation and penetrating lyrical insight made inner visions, a textured, but never self-indulgent, work of soulful self-discovery. So that's pretty wordy, but I mean, end of podcast. There's a, just go home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I think it's important, you know, as you know, the basis of this, of this show is kind of around this list, you know, that's how they describe it. And that's how I felt when I first turned it on. And I first heard that first track, my mind was just, exploding over and over with all the different things and it's very like it's not subtle mm-hmm. it's not subtle yeah <laughs> it's not subtle at all like just the opening track and with all the vocals i was just my mouth just hit the floor like what is happening here yeah. this is crazy <laughs> and i was so excited but but it is it's high flying it's um i don't know if i'd say it's never self indulgent i mean i guess that's a fairly s- subjective way to describe something because that could mean something different for anybody but <laughs> um but that's what they say um the there was one two three four four singles on this album higher ground living for the city don't you worry about a thing and mr know-it-all were all singles mm-hmm. um and then uh this one grammy awards for album of the year and best engineered non-classical recording in 1974 and Living for the City won the Grammy for Best R&B Song. So three Grammy Awards that year. Right. And then um, I don't know if you have any more memories about this, but you mentioned this earlier, Carol, that three days after this album came out, uh, Stevie Wonder was put into a four-day coma after uh, he was in a car accident. His car hit a logging truck. Do you have any other kind of insight into that? I don't have any memories of it, but I did some sleuthing while I was getting ready for this, <laughs> honestly. Uh, right. And it's, so he was on the road. He was in the front seat, had to be the passenger because he's blind. Um, 
And somehow they tangled with a logging truck, and one of the logs actually came through the windshield wow. and hit him in the head. Whoa. So it, it really was a, an accident that could have taken his life, evidently. Yeah. And he was in a coma. And it's one of those stories um, that you could have a great movie scene from is he's in a coma and his face is swollen beyond recognition. And one of his guys from like the band or his manager or something evidently came into the hospital room and started drumming on the nightstand table and singing in his ear. And he picked up the rhythm with the hand that the guy was holding. And that's how they knew he was coming out of the coma. Like I, I really wish I could attribute that though, because I read that somewhere today and I don't remember where I read it. That's amazing. Um, But yeah, people thought that he was going to die. Uh, and cause the album dropped right around the accident time, there was this feeling that it, it might've been his last mm. album. So mm. it, it really had a level of significance that I think was part of the accident yeah. piece. Wow. And I'm imagining going to that concert then, you know, the first shows he plays after that accident must've just felt miraculous, you know, getting to watch someone who you thought was about to die, uh, perform the music that had never been performed. Um, it gives me chills mm-hmm, just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I, it would yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's this piece of his music, and I, this is off track for you guys' questions. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, but here's the thing. So so he's blind, but he's able to paint musical pictures where you can see the city. Yeah. And I just oh, yeah. was listening today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I was thinking, especially on that that living for the city song. Like Stevie Wonder's never seen the city right <laughs> you yeah, know wow and, but yeah somehow like we see the policeman <laughs> we hear the we see the guy in jail like the whole thing about the guy that comes across the street and is like hey hold this yeah. bag for me like all of that it plays out like yeah. a video and he's never seen any of that like i just kept <laughs> thinking about that with some of the other songs too is like so he really was a genius yeah. in all kinds of ways, right? He's able to draw mental pictures for us that we're people mm-hmm. with all of our senses aren't mm-hmm. able to actually draw. Uh, that's just, I know I went off on a tangent, I but that it. just kind of boggled me today when I was reading and thinking about it. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I always love talking about and I'm really excited to talk about for this album is the album cover artwork. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. If, of all the really cool album covers we've talked about, is there one that describes in picture the album better than this? Oh, um, good question. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe Sergeant Peppers, the, just the like weird spectacle of Sergeant Peppers does give you a sense well, of like, you're going to take us on a yeah. weird journey, but this, but, I think you're right. Even, There's something really interesting about this one. Okay. Well, let's compare since you brought, you started this. Uh, um, this is good i like this okay uh, that is sergeant pepper's it's so commercial because there's all these famous people and you know like it's it's so staged this is very abstract and Mm, other than stevie you know we can see him there his uh usually i describe it in words and i don't even know if i'm gonna attempt i really (laughs) suggest i really suggest that if you're listening to this you, you really should just you know, look up an image of this. It's, it's a drawing or painting. It's a painting, 
and um, it's very abstract. There's a lot of lines. There's a lot of long lines. And in the middle, it does say Stevie Wonder Intervisions. And it's got that, you know, you learn to draw this in like grade six art class where you put the lines behind it so that they're getting closer and closer. So it looks as though it's moving towards you. Ben, you're, oh, an, yes, art. It is ben, you're an art guy. Is there, a, is there a name for that? Yeah. So in the art world, that's called the vanishing point, if I'm not mistaken the point on the horizon where everything disappears. But that's, that's the concept there. And then we see a similar line. Uh, Stevie is at the left side, a drawing, a painting of him, and he's looking upwards out of a window. Um, his eyes are closed, but there's like a beam coming out of his eye, mm. and it's going up towards the, towards the sky, and it goes off the edge of the cover. And then there's some – and the color is all yellows and browns and oranges. Um, so it's a very interesting palette. It reminds me of, of, uh, of earth, like dry earth. I don't know if he's drawing on, um, on like a, like an African landscape kind of thing. Um, I know a lot of the artwork on the inside is, is looks like, um, like traditional artwork, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. I, I can't really say what, what type or from what country exactly. Cause I'm not familiar with it, but that's kind of the, the feeling I get from it, but it's very, it feels like how I felt when I first started listening to it. It's just kind <laughs> of out there and exciting and, uh, and it really draws me in. I just find myself looking at it, just wondering what it all means, but really being, uh, have a sense of satisfaction and enjoyment, even though I don't totally understand that. I feel like that when I listen to some of the music, I don't understand all the music because it's very complex and it's, it's got a lot going on, but it doesn't trouble me. I'm not troubled that I don't understand it because I really enjoy Mm. it. And it takes me to another place where I can kind of shut that. um, I don't know about you, Ben or Carol. There's a part of my being where I'm always trying to um, figure something out. I feel a little guilty if I haven't achieved, if I haven't performed. Um, we get that, you know, from our upbringing sometime or from our parents. Um, but. Like you're supposed to have all the answers, like yep, that kind ab- of thing. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a firstborn. I'm a firstborn. Ben's a firstborn. Um, so, you know, you get some of this pressure and you carry that into your adult life. Like if I haven't figured it all out, I I've failed. But when I listen to this, it all just disappears. I can just, it doesn't go, matter, yeah. right? it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I can just enjoy it and turn that part of my brain off and go, I don't understand it, but I really like it and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's me tying together this artwork with the music. And I really, really think it pairs well. Uh, someone else needs to talk now because I'm just going off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, yeah, it's interesting that you, you got um, so into it right away. <clears throat> we actually have a uh, quasi-art expert here with us. Carol has an extensive collection Uh-oh. of indigenous art from the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. And I actually felt some of that in this picture, too. Maybe not the Northwest, but maybe the Southwest. Uh, there's like the sandstone, the... Um, more abstract vibes, uh, yeah. almost like sword spear points or something, arrowheads at the bottom. Um, it just feels it feels rustic and uh, tribal, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it's really beautiful. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts, Carol? The first thing I thought was desert, 
because mm-hmm. it I see sand and it, what I think is mountains yeah. in the background. And then I was like, oh, not just desert, so it's like southwestern desert. Um, and I know there was a part of him with the album before this one, Talking Book, where he was really looking into his African uh, heritage and ancestry. Uh, so so yeah. I think some of that might be pulled into here. Um, the shirt he's wearing maybe feels like mm-hmm. it's got some. Yeah, it's got some African um, sort of motifs and whatnot going on. Shapes, but yeah. It's funny, though. So I saw his face in the window and like that sort of beam coming down or is that beam like going out because his eyes are closed Mm. which makes sense because he's blind (laughs) um but i thought so what are we getting like to see his inner vision and then i just decided you have no idea what this means (laughs) but that's the first that's the first moment where the title has suddenly clicked for me though i i had when you started talking about he's painting musical uh landscapes for us even though he can't uh-huh. see i was like oh that's the inner vision that we are there you go <laughs> that we are getting that's to endure great. here this album that's mm-hmm. wonderful yeah but um yeah it's pretty remarkable that this idea that is it he is. is he giving us his vision or is he receiving a vision and yeah it's funny what you said earlier though when you were like but it was okay not to know um i'm not an oldest child i'm a youngest child and I'm a youngest. I have two older brothers. But I think that shows up for me in that I'm perfectly happy not to know. Hmm. The, that's, <laughs> to have the magic and the mystery and it's unexplainable, but it's awesome. You know, that's yeah. fine with me. I am completely good with it. I say that to people about religion a lot is, you know, when they question how can you be a, a Unitarian Universalist minister? Like, well, you take everybody. And I'm like, yeah, we do, don't we? That's amazing. And somehow we all come into the same room and figure out how to be together with all these different beliefs. That's awesome. That's, that's kind of what this makes me think about. It's yeah. like, I don't have to understand this picture at all. And that's okay. Yeah. Cause the music carries you. Yeah. But so now I've oh, said man. too many words, I think. <laughs> I like this album even more now. Oh, boy. okay. Um, <laughs> now you got to listen to it again. Oh. Right. <laughs> exactly. No problem. <laughs> um, I, I'm really thinking about the beam going out or coming in. I think it could go either mm-hmm. way, but I imagine it. I first imagine it going out because light light spreads as it travels, and it's spreading. Mm. It's spreading away from him. So I imagine it's going out, and that's um, maybe I'm reading into it too much. But that's him again sharing his vision with us. It's shooting out from him, um, and and then we get to partake in a piece of that by listening to the music. Yeah, I like that. I just... Did you um? There's a little square on his shirt, and it looks like a tiny red cross or an arrow. Is it pointing the same direction of that beam? Or maybe it's just a part of the pattern. I don't know. It does look like a cross. I thought that that would be kind of interesting if it was that was just tucked in there. I mean, it's really there. There is there's a track called you know Jesus Children of America, so it's not really a a secret or like some of the religious leanings there, but Mm -hmm. um, I thought that would be kind of neat. Yeah. I think that red thing is a cross because he has deep religious um, upbringing and backgrounds. Like Stevie Mm. started singing in church, like many African-American black or black artists did. 
his his foundational music was church music, okay. hymns and gospel songs, and yeah, playing every Sunday for all day services, that kind of thing. Yeah, huh. I'm pretty sure that's a cross. Cool. Cover illustration for this album was done by Ephraim Wolf, who produced artwork for many albums in the 1970s, and the the artist blurb is is imagining Stevie as an oracle. Uh, okay. Despite his despite Ooh. his blindness, he can see the problems of the world. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, we were getting to some of that, I guess, as we were mm -hmm. rolling through there. Well, as you can tell, we've got a lot to say about this. Um, why don't we put a pause in this for now, and we will invite you all to join us for part two of this conversation, which will be released tomorrow. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.